welcome in into the Thursday show that shakes the Southland. We are y'all as we broadcast our message about Dixie to all y'all. John Rawl is my name. Yeah, I didn't just make up that name. That's actually my name. And and it's kind of neat that it kind of rhymes with y'all, the name of the show, don't you think? Now, if all these other programs could come up with names for their shows that rhyme with their name, eh? <laughs> oh, thank you, Mom and Dad, for being who you are and giving me a pretty cool last name to go along with this show name. Okay, enough about that. Welcome in. It is Thursday across the Southland. Oh, man. Is the weekend here yet? Well, it kind of feels like the weekend. You know why? We got the return of NFL football on this Thursday as the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. They've got their Thursday night game going on against the Detroit Lions. I wonder who came up with that matchup. For a while there, the NFL would pair the same teams that played in the Super Bowl as the opener for the next year. And that was kind of neat, I thought. Of course, maybe that changed when Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers who had lost to the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl about six years ago. The following season, they had their opener against the Broncos on a Thursday night. And guess what? Cam Newton got a nasty, nasty concussion. In fact, Cam has not been the same since, and that's why he's no longer in the NFL. He's got the physical ability, but Mr. Newton, out of the Atlanta area and a War Eagle Plainsman alum, yeah, he, he he got gun shot. In my opinion, of course, I've never been an NFL quarterback, so who am I to judge? We wish him well. Well, in fact, it was neat to see Cam Newton get a little bit of a return back to that franchise in 2022. But he won't. Well, 2021. I'm sorry, it was 21. He came back. It was 2020. He went with the Patriots. Oh man, the years are just flying by. You know what's not going to fly by the next three hours because that's where we will be positioned here to bring you. Hours of Southern news, Southern sports like NFL talk and college football talk. We've got all the social media fun coming up here in this first hour of the Y'all Show. We also have entertainment news. Lainey Wilson. She's my girlfriend. Now, she doesn't know it, but Lainey and I are virtually together. In fact, I'll tell you when we get to our entertainment report, my connection to her, and it's been a strong connection. I just can't handle the fact that she's left me for Devlin Hodges, the former Samford quarterback. Come on now. Come on. And 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 and, and so she's left me for another man. And then the other thing is she's left me for for stardom. She she's a big star. In fact, today's a big day for Laney Wilson, the country music singer out of Baskin, Louisiana. I've got entertainment news coming up in our Nashville Music Line report. Plus we've got some Priscilla Presley news that we'll be sharing with you when we have that report coming up in our second hour of today's Y'all Show. We also have headed your way in the Thursday edition of the Y'all Show, our Southern Travel Report, where we tell you about some awesome festivals taking place across Dixie this weekend. And those festivals are just so varied of what they're celebrating. One of the things celebrated this weekend, cow peas. Yes, there is actually a cow pea festival i'll tell you where and this weekend in georgia it's the doc holiday festival why are they celebrating a guy from the old west in the state of georgia there is a dang good reason for that and i'll tell you as part of our festive south feature coming up in our final hour of today's y'all show now somewhere in today's y'all show we're going to also welcome in mr kiefer mr kiefer is going to come on and help me 
break down all of this weekend's big NFL and college football games. Yes, I kind of keep track of, of this stuff, but this guy really does. So if you like sports and you maybe have a few extra dollars you want to put on sports, yeah, you might want to take notes when Mr. K, Dr. K comes by at some point. We don't know when he's coming by. That makes makes it fun. But he will be by to talk about the weekend in sports, which begins today with that NFL game. We've got some college games going on today. We'll break it all down right here on the show about the Southeast. If you want to be part of y'all, it's extremely easy to do that. We have a text line that's open 24-7-615-208-4184. And we have our email address, mail, M-A-I-L, at Y-A-L-L.com, mail at y'all.com. Again, thank you for being part of our program. Let's get into some of the news headlines of the day. The big story that has been kind of out there churning for the last 48 hours or so is Tropical Storm Lee. It is expected to strengthen into a hurricane, a Category 4 hurricane. And the National Hurricane Center is keeping an eye on this as it's headed toward the northern Leeward Islands with maximum sustained winds of 75 miles per hour. It's been moving west-northwest here in the last few hours at a 14-mile-per-hour rate. That, according to the National Hurricane Center, Projections for Tropical Storm Lee show it not making landfall, but just passing northeast of the British Virgin Islands. And then, what happens next? Is it going to head toward the Atlantic seaboard? I think for the Gulf Coast states, I think you're going to be good on this one. I think this one should churn at, at worst toward the Carolina coast, but I'm not with the National Hurricane Center. Okay? Just want to make sure you're you're clear. <laughs> if you're making your evacuation plans don't listen to me on this one listen to the hurricane center but this one appears to have a more than likely chance from forecasters to possibly go out to sea and 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 go away and that would be great for this future hurricane lee noah has warned that this year's season would produce an above normal number of hurricanes as we are expecting between 14 well, no, we've already had 14. No, Lee is 10. Jay is 10. Jay. We're, we're, this is our 12th named storm, Lee. And so we're already at number 12. They expect the Hurricane Center up to 21 named storms here in 2023. AccuWeather is predicting there would be three to five hurricanes of Category 3 or stronger this season. So, again, it's hurricane or future hurricane Lee right now, a tropical storm with winds expected to increase to where it would be category one strength hurricane Lee within hours. And we'll keep our eye on the Atlantic on that for all of you needing to keep an eye, especially for your own evacuation plan specifically. Please stay in touch with your favorite weather connection and let's all try to get out of this thing safely. Look, I know people were affected by it. I know that it was a news story for several days. But if every hurricane could end up being like Adalia, from a lives lost standpoint, that was the one we just had a few a few days back that came into the Big Bend area of Florida and then worked up toward Valdosta over to Savannah and the Carolina coast. That thing 
thankfully did not cause but to my knowledge one loss of life and that was near Valdosta and I know it brought damage and more but Florida for the most part dodged a bullet on that one and so did the other states it may have done even more damage well in them from flooding than it did from hitting the coast of that big bend area southeast of Tallahassee more to come on this storm for sure as we work our way to the weekend a story out of the Lone Star State Texas must move the large floating barriers that Governor Greg Abbott placed on the Rio Grande River on the U.S. Mexican border he put them out this summer as part of the Republicans escalating attempts to stop migrants from crossing America's southern border and a federal judge ruled Wednesday you saw this one coming that Texas must move those things District Judge David Ezra with this decision. They have these wrecking ball sized buoys out in the Rio Grande and the Judge Ezra called them a threat to safety and the relationships between neighboring countries. His injunction instructs Texas to move the barriers out of the water and onto the riverbank by September 15th. And the judge also cast doubt on the Lone Star State's rationale for the barriers, writing that the state produced no credible evidence that the buoy barrier, as installed, has significantly curtailed illegal immigration. That lawsuit to stop the barriers came from the Justice Department. The Justice Department going at the direction of President Joe Biden's administration going to court to challenge Texas's border policies. Whose side is the United States on? I mean, Texas did this to help stop illegal immigration into Texas, which is part of the United States. And the federal government, which doesn't have a whole lot of official duties, but one of the duties it has is to protect the borders of this country, and and they're not doing it. They have an open-door policy, it appears. And when Texas had enough of it and decided to put these barriers out there, Biden administration takes a state to court over it, Come on, what in the world are we doing here? We, we want to try to make, as DJT would say, illegal immigration go away and have a nice, beautiful door that people can come in legally. Legally is the word of the day. And the United States government under the Biden administration appears to be at odds with states who are tired of the massive amounts of people coming across, killing destroying property, illegal drug trade, they, they, they've had it. And unless you've been in places that are on the border, you don't have a clue, Biden administration and anybody else out there, of just how difficult it is. People's lives for the last 10, 15, 20 years have been completely turned around. It's no longer a good thing to live in portions of the country that are near the U.S.-Mexican border. It's a dang shame. And here we have a government now taking states to court. This has been going on, but this is the latest example of that. Let's keep talking about the Biden administration, if you don't mind. A new book has come out, and it portrays Joe Biden as someone whose middle-class upbringing helped foster a resentment with Barack Obama. That's what this book's saying. Yeah, I had to make sure I had this thing right. It says that Biden's Scranton upbringing, quote, fostered a 
resentment of intellectual elitism that shaped his political career and sometimes called strain with his boss, Harvard-educated Barack Hussein Obama. Mr. Dopehead himself. That's what he did in high school. I'm sure he's still lighting it up. I guess that's legal in a lot of the states, like maybe his native Hawaii. I think it's legal there. Joe Biden spent eight years as Obama's vice president. And he told a friend, according to this book, that Obama couldn't even curse properly. The book's called The Last Politician Inside Joe Biden's White House and the Struggle for America's Future. The book came out on Tuesday, written by Franklin Four, a staff writer for The Atlantic. The book says that Biden and Obama, they were unable to deliver a F.U. with. He says that Obama, Biden in the book, the 44th president was unable to deliver a F.U. blank blank F, F, the, the letter F, the letter U, the letter and the letter and then the word U. He couldn't, li- he couldn't deliver an F U with the right elongation of vowels and the necessary hardness of consonants. It was how they must curse in the ivory tower. That's hard to believe that somebody can't say F U properly if the book <laughs> is right. You know, I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't be saying this on a program that's we're kind of a family program. We are. But man, there's some times where you just need to let it all out. And as a Christian, I have to ask forgiveness to the Lord for it. But sometimes people just need an F you. And evidently, Obama had a problem saying that. According to this book, Obama might learn how to say it properly. And he might be calling up his former vice president today and saying, hey, Joe, F you. And I'm not talking about Furman University in this case. Oh, yeah. Check that book out. Hey, it is startling to me that this may be the first inside the Biden era type book that's come out in over two years of his presidency. Remember with Trump, somebody was writing a new book every couple of months, every couple of weeks and some kind a tell all. Oh my God, we got him this time. This was when he was in the office. These kind of books were coming out. Now this book, typical with the media, it's not really about Joe Biden as president. It's about his time with Barack Obama. That's that's years ago. As Joe would say, not just F you, but uh, come on, man. What's going on? But Joe Biden and, and Obama, their relationship, as I like to call him, O'Biden. That's kind of what Joe Biden is. He's keeping the Biden. I mean, he's keeping the Biden is keeping the Obama policies and the in many cases same people in a job and it's a continuation of all those years of a BHO in the White House and BHO would probably look at me and say F you and and not a good pronunciation of that by the way speaking of the Bidens here's another story that hardly gets attention from most media outlets we don't talk about it a lot here you can cut on Fox and hear this all day long if you want to But it comes out on Wednesday that Hunter Biden, the son of the president, may end up facing gun charges by the end of this month. Federal prosecutors plan to seek a grand jury indictment of Hunter Biden. According to court documents filed on Wednesday, the filing came in a gun possession case in which Hunter 
accused of having a firearm while being a drug user. Prosecutors in this court document did not name exactly which charges they will seek. Hunter Biden's also been under investigation by federal prosecutors for his business dealings. I think he's going to get off. I really do. I think you'll be able to um, dodge the old federal charges for many reasons because uh, he's the president's son, right? And that seems to be the way it works. There's a different set of standards, usually, for one side versus the other side. But these court documents may may be shedding, shedding light on a little bit about Hunter. Where's Hunter? Well, he might be going to court pretty, pretty soon. Hey, a blast from the past, COVID-19 booster shots. And there's a new set of them that could be approved as early as this week. It could be available as early as the end of September, if indeed it is approved. Doctors at Vanderbilt Medical Center in Nashville said more COVID-19 cases are making their way in and out of the area of at least Middle Tennessee where they're located. And according to Dr. William Schaffner, that they're getting information about lots of mild cases and hospital admissions of people with COVID-19. The doctor said that the rise in cases also has more people asking when to get a booster shot. Dr. Schaffner said that the shot is something the U.S. Food and Drug Administration is getting ready to approve as the new booster is updated to protect against the strains of COVID that are circulating at the present time. The new booster won't be covered by the federal government. It's going to cost $110 to $113 per dose, according to Dr. Schaffner at Vanderbilt. But be ready for a new COVID-19 booster. And has, has it been two years since there was another booster? The first They had the first COVID vaccination and they had a, a booster. Is this booster number two? Is this booster number three? I've lost count. And again, this is a subject that a lot of people have um, I mean frankly most people have an opinion on should you be vaccinated should you get booster shots are these booster shots going to put me in a grave earlier than I should be getting into that grave a personal decision you make your own decision I don't think any decision is wrong in this case there have been people who probably saved their lives by getting booster shots there are people who have died because they got booster shots there are people who have maybe saved their life because they didn't get anything and then there's people who if they'd had a vaccination they'd still be with us man i'm not god you're not god you do what you got to do in this case but it looks like a new booster is coming real soon be on the lookout for that and that wraps up our news headlines for our number one here on the show all about the southeast Powered by y'all.com. Y'all.com is the South's homepage. Go there right now. We've just put up some new stories of note that you'll enjoy reading as you head toward this weekend a-coming. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we've got a quick look at some sports news of the day. And as we wrap up this first hour of our Thursday edition, we've got a look at some social media fun. And we'll be sharing with you all about some Texas talk and more. All that is ahead.
Uh, we're back with a little juice here on the Y'all Show on this Thursday. John Rawl, the general of all things Southern. It is officially the start of NFL football here on this Thursday. And to get you in a pigskin mindset, we've got on the pigskin prognosticator himself. We welcome in Kiefer Ingles, and you got to start coming in and kind of helping us get the weekend set up for NFL and college football. Is that is that asking too much? You know, it may be, but I would love to come in every every weekend. And, uh, you know, the pigskin prognosticator, I like that a lot. So yeah. let's, let's keep it rolling. Kiefer Ingles, Mr. Pigskin himself. So we got NFL football here on this Thursday. Yes, Chiefs sir. and Lions. I didn't think that would be the marquee matchup to get a season going, but that's what we've got. The defending Super Bowl champs, Patrick Mahomes. He won't have his tight end out there yep. today. He's been hurt in the last few days. What's going on with the Chiefs? Man, you know, the, the Travis Kelsey news from the last couple of days, you know, it's got a lot of the Chiefs fans a little nervous, I would think. They've come out and said it's not a tear. Um, he's going to be rehabbing that. He should be good week two or three. He will not be there for week one. Um against the Lions and this is a Lions team that we're seeing a lot of people kind of pretty you know they're pretty excited about this year Dan Campbell their head coach um Amon Ross St. Brown he's turned into a pretty good wide receiver one up there and they just drafted Jameer Gibbs number 12 in the draft um this past year where's he out of running back out of Alabama and uh he actually transferred from Georgia Tech to Alabama and played one year at Alabama and then got drafted I mean he's awesome he's really good so there's a lot of excitement up in up in Detroit for the Lions, and uh, you know you haven't been able to say that for probably the last ten they years. They were so. pretty close to making the playoffs last year, right? Yes, and they – I'm not sure exactly what rank they were scoring average-wise, but they were in the top five uh, points scored per game. You know, they were, they were lighting it up. Their defense was not lighting it up, though. One of the few NFL teams who've never made it to the Super Bowl. And well, they've won NFL championships back before the merger, but gosh, Detroit <laughs> – I believe the world is upside down if Detroit will somehow not just get to a Super Bowl, but my, if they if they do like the Cubs and, and win it all. It'd be crazy. And they've got the players to do it, man. Uh, it's a matter of if their defense holds up, and but they've definitely got the offense to do it. And uh, on another note, Detroit, it's coming around as a city, too. It's, it's starting to turn a little nice up there. Says who? Says me. I drove through it about probably five, six months ago. And uh, that downtown area they got up there, is, it's, a, it's a big shocker. <laughs> In, in a good way or a bad way? In a good way. way. Oh, it was really? nice. It was really nice. I was very pleasantly surprised with Detroit. Maybe you should do a show about the North. Uh, well, yeah, that's not a very good topic for a show about the South. No, so no, it's not. We'll, no, move on, we'll move on to the next As we've thing. told people here <laughs> on this show with our former co-host, uh, we've got Detroit right here in the South. There's a Detroit out in Texas. There's one in Alabama. Did they uh, used to make cars in those two Detroits as well? No, but one of them is the hometown, the one in Texas, is the hometown of the first vice president under Franklin D. Roosevelt. He was from Detroit, Texas. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The you more, did, the what more did you learn growing up? Jackson Christian School. They didn't teach me enough, I guess. No. It wasn't very Christian of them to not tell you about FDR's VPs. Exactly. What were they thinking? No, they weren't thinking. So you got the Thursday night NFL game. It's Chiefs and Lions. Yep. Now, before we move to college, thoughts on any of the other NFL matchups for this week one of the National Football League. I'm very, very curious to see how the Vikings and the Buccaneers game turns out. Um, the Buccaneers, you know, they, they've got Baker Mayfield as a starting quarterback. It's a huge difference. I'm not sure where their offense is going to come from this year, um, but we'll see. Trask is their number two. Yes. Former Florida yes. quarterback. For, former Florida And guy. was in a competition with Mayfield and Ended up losing to Baker Mayfield, a guy who couldn't make it with the Browns or Panthers. And he did, I think, 50-50 work last year with the Rams. Right. 
But and he, when he when he played when he came in for the Rams those last couple of games, you know, he played all right. But I mean, it's no Tom Brady, so we'll we'll see how they wind up recovering from that. So you're watching Buccaneers and Minnesota. That's an early game Sunday. It is, and then the night game on Sunday, Giants Cowboys. Everybody's going to be curious to see how the Cowboys are going to be this year but the the giants I'm not, have a I'm lot. not curious i could care less <laughs> okay well not everybody but yeah. the the cowboys um or the giants sorry they've got a lot of excitement just like detroit um, whatever ended up happening with saquon barkley so he's playing with the giants yes with the giants so there was drama about him possibly going on to another a little team. bit of drama um there's a lot of been a lot of running back drama this year in the nfl you know the running back position used to be one of the most important it's still one of the most important however you know, teams are figuring out that you can't give running backs these huge deals because the lifespan of those players in the league is not as long. Now, they're not dying out there, but they're retiring a lot earlier. I think the average career length for an NFL running back is 2.1 years. Um, so it's the lowest by far of any position. Pretty interesting matchup on Sunday, early game. You got the Battle of Ohio, the Bengals at the Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson going up against Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson um, still remains to be seen how good he'll be. Um, oh, he's good. Right. No, he's he's real good. Good but, with the Browns. And with massages, too, evidently. <laughs> but uh, the, He's got to make sure he's all nice and loose out there before he starts I mean, off. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking on the guy, but he really has kind of been out of the league in many ways for three, the last three two years. Two, three, three years. Is it three years? I'm pretty sure it's three. So he has no excuse from a health standpoint. He's all lubed up from a massage standpoint <laughs> and from a just getting healthy standpoint. Right. So, yeah, he's a little older, the former Gainesville Red Elephant. I've been on Deshaun Watson Way many times in Gainesville, Georgia. That's where he went to high school. I believe it. I'm sure they love him up there. Uh, they, they do, actually, even though that's dog country for the most part. They, they like Deshaun Watson, and he and the dogs of Cleveland have Cincinnati coming in. Another interesting guy, my honorary Southerner. Derek Carr. Have you ever heard that guy talk? He's from yes. California, but he sounds, he, sound, like he sounds like he's you know from, from here. And the, he's now with the New Orleans Saints, and the Saints have the Tennessee Titans yep. coming in. And so the Titans have had their own quarterback questions. Plenty of them, yes. I mean, you know, you got Tannehill. He's going to be the guy, but you draft Will Is Levis. He? You draft Will Levis last year, um, and you draft Malik Willis the year before that, back-to-back first-round quarterbacks, and neither one of them, you know, are definitely your guy three years later. So, I mean, it's Tannehill to start the game off this week. Um, we'll see where they go from there. Traylon Burks, their best receiver, is out as well. Um, it's you know, I'm I'm not, you know, some Titans insider or anything, but I don't think it's going to be the greatest year for the Titans. But okay. we'll see. They've they've fallen way down from just what two years ago, three years ago, when they had the best record of any team in all of the NFL. Right. You know that had a lot to do with having great receiver play, great quarterback play. They you know they're. And great running back play, of course, with Derrick Henry. But, you know, you trade off A.J. Brown um, and you replace him with Traylon Burks, who immediately gets injured. And he was great, but you're not replacing A.J. Brown. And I don't know if they were ever going to give him $100 million like he got from Philly, but he, he deserved it. <laughs> you think? Hey, he's good. Okay. Well, I'll tell you who else might be pretty good is the rising QB in Roethlisbergerville. Oh, yeah. As the Steelers this weekend have the 49ers coming in. Yeah, the best defense in the league um, for the past couple of years. Um, we'll see how the, the Steelers' offense handles them. I mean, Mike Tomlin, he's never finished below 500. He's always got a solid team. I don't know why this would this year would be any different. You know, you've got George Pickens, incredible receiver out of Georgia, second-year guy out of Georgia. Um, Kitty Pickett, he's going to be slinging the rock out there pretty good. He looked great the last couple of games last year. Um, 
Najee Harris for, as a running back. They got a pretty solid team, and we'll see how they do. Like I said, Mike Tomlin never finished below 500, so why you think, stop now? You think the Niners will have a successful year two with their QB who came out of nowhere, the Mr. Irrelevant? Yeah, but Brock Purdy, man. It's it's a big it's a big prove-yourself year for him, I think. He, he looked great. I mean, how many games did he play last year? Was it six? That he looked great in, he came out and was firing on all cylinders immediately. Um, but he, he did got, well enough where their possible heir apparent they yeah. shipped shipped off to Dallas. Yeah, your your number three overall draft pick you trade for a fourth a couple of fourth rounders. I mean, essentially saying like just admitting defeat on that draft pick, and you drafted a quarterback, and now you got Mister Irrelevant that's come in and taken the spotlight and looks great. You trade your your starter that got injured off. You trade and Jimmy G, and then you trade Trey Lance off, and Brock Purdy's your guy. Jimmy G now with the Raiders. Yes. Okay. And a lot of people are, are they're very high on Jimmy G and the Raiders this year. I I mean Raiders have Denver on a late afternoon Sunday battle there at Empower Field at Mile High. Yeah, so Sean Payton's first game as a head coach of the Broncos. Um Russell Wilson's still a starting quarterback. I mean they they looked horrible every single game last year. Um mm-hmm. Sean Payton, one of the one of the better coaches in NFL history, allegedly. Everybody talks about him like he is. Um yeah. We'll see how he does. We're talking with Kiefer Ingles here. Kiefer's going to be kind enough to join us on Thursdays going forward with a little NFL and, and college football talk. We've got to get to that in a second. But we have our Monday night game, the Bills at the Jets. How about that? Aaron Rodgers now with the green and white of New York. Yes, a lot of – I mean, I've said this about everything we talked about, so I don't know why I keep saying it, but a lot of excitement about up in New York about the Jets. I mean, the Jets and the Giants finally have both have excitement behind them. Um Rodgers, it's a totally new team up there in New York. You still got your your better players from last year, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson. They're going to be good. Not Zach Wilson, the backup quarterback. But you bring in Aaron Rodgers, then you bring in his slew of, of friends that are great football players, and you know the the minds that they all bring. They're all veteran guys. They're going to be pretty dang, pretty dang good this year. All right, Kiefer's prediction for NFL Super Bowl champion for this coming season: Chiefs. Chiefs. Yep. Wow, got to go with the easy pick. That was really really pretty adventurous of you to do that i mean there's there's good teams in the nfl um there's only one great one though i mean maybe you can make an argument for philly but they just lost their offensive coordinator who knows how good they're going to be um where did he go uh head coach of the colts shane steichen oh okay um but yeah a lot of excitement in the nfl this year i think the chiefs are going to be uh they're going to be the team on top okay do you mind if we switch over to college football for a minute is that is that going to be a problem nope never a problem all right right, who's going to win the battle of kentucky that's going on on this Thursday, it's Louisville hosting the Murray State David Thomas Racers. <laughs> I mean, Louisville, they've been up and down the last couple of years, but they've got a lot of returning. They look good last Friday night against Georgia Tech. Yeah, they got a lot of returning guys. I mean, Murray State's not beating Louisville. Okay, that came on the ACC Network from Cardinal Stadium. That is the only FBS game here on this Thursday. And then over the weekend, it's going to be the battle of the black and gold. Wake Forest has... Vanderbilt coming in yeah. to Winston-Salem. Vanderbilt 2-0 and on the season. Yes. Hawaii and Alabama A&M, I believe. Um, yeah, Wake Forest, they don't have their, you know, knockdown, dragout offense like they had last year with their quarterback transferring out to Notre Dame, Sam Hartman. Um, but Vanderbilt, I don't know if, if they've really been tested yet. Wake Forest is going to be the team to do that. Interested to see how that one pans out. If I had to get lean anyways, I'd have to, I mean, you got to pick Wake Forest, but we'll see. Yep. A tobacco road team that's trying to compete with North Carolina and Duke. By the way, those are two pretty good football teams hey, right now. Seriously. NC State, they've got Notre Dame coming in for an early Saturday game at Carter-Finley. This is a number 10 Notre Dame 
Irish team going into Raleigh. Your thoughts on that one? I mean, Notre Dame looks stout this year. Um, they've Why? Got, they've got their quarterback. Why? Yeah. They've got their quarterback. It's this, their coach's second year. They've put up 40 points a game. Uh, they played Tennessee State. Right. The, not Tennessee. Tennessee State. Right. Okay. And and Navy. Right. Okay. Just just want to. Well, last year they played Navy and, and and they won by three points. This year they played Navy and won by 45. Yeah. Um, significant difference on the offense and defensive side of the ball. Um, Notre Dame's only favorite to win this game by six and a half. I mean, we'll see. NC State's always got a defense, but I don't think they, they can hold Notre Dame back. We'll see what Dave Doran's got in store for the pack this weekend. How about Utah going into McLean Stadium in Waco where Baylor, which was defeated last week, yeah. as Texas State knocked off the Bears. Utah looked mighty good against Florida. Your thoughts on that one? So Utah looked mighty good against Florida with their backup quarterback. I'm not sure if their starter will be back for this week or not, Cam Rising. Um, but if he is, if he's not, it doesn't really matter. Baylor just got beat by Texas State. Um, and their starting quarterback is injured, so not good for the Baylor Bears. Um, Utah, they're, they're six-and-a-half, seven-point favorites. I mean, they just beat Florida. I don't know why they wouldn't beat Baylor by a little bit more um, without their starting quarterback. So I like Utah in that matchup for sure. All right. And Texas State last week, they, they actually used the tra- – they're a big-time – advocate for the transfer portal they brought in like 41 guys completely flipped their team around and then beat baylor week one so i think texas state is led by not george Strait, their most famous alum but is it jake spavital i'm not sure i think it is he used to be with texas a&m and i think he, he went from coordinator there to over to what is that san marcus san san something there in that portion of texas hey let's talk about another battle that's not really southern teams but it's intriguing to me it's a battle of old big eight teams nebraska at Colorado and Prime. Oh, yeah. I mean, Nebraska looked absolutely abysmal week one um, against Northwestern over in – was it in Ireland? Is that where they played? No, uh, Nebraska no, played. No, 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 they no. played Minnesota. Did they play Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Close yeah they looked horrible. 13-10. to 10. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just don't think they're going to be able to stop Colorado. I'm not necessarily saying Colorado's, you know, the best team in the country or anything, but they've got – arguably one of the best rosters in the country they've got 41 three-star players i mean name another school that's got that many it's ridiculous colorado does yeah 40 41 three stars one five star and like 12 four stars um that they they brought in 56 total players is that a new template for college football what dion did he brought in 80 plus new players on this roster yeah is it 80 plus new players 56 from the transfer portal and is that and he's in the top 25 he just beat a team that played for the national championship he's going to win this week yeah against nebraska and he's going to have the, the, the national attention all season long. It's 100% the new model for a new coach going into a, a already established program. Like if, you know, say, maybe not for an SEC program, but say like Lane Kiffin gets hired to go back to USC, just hypothetical. Mm-hmm. He would overhaul the roster. I mean, that you, can, you now have the ability to completely overhaul, get the guys you want, and get them in there. And if it works, like it had has so far for Dion in Colorado, it's great. But if it doesn't work, you know, you look like a big idiot. Yeah. All right, let's talk about, you mentioned Mr. Kiffin. His Mississippi Landshark Black Bear Rebel team is going to be going down to New Orleans on the city of New Orleans for a battle with a top 25 Tulane team. It's a top 25 matchup between number 20 Mississippi and number 24 Tulane. Yeah, it's going to be a good time down there in uh, New Orleans. Ole Miss, they just, they're coming off a huge victory versus Mercer. Tulane looked good in their first, in their week one game as well. Um, 
it's there's always a pretty big rivalry between these two schools when it comes to sports. I hold mean, on, hold on. Rivalry with Tulane? Are you kidding me? One-sided rivalry with Tulane. Yeah. Um, I'm only saying that because, yes, historically, these two teams have played a lot. Of course, they were both in the right. SEC for a long time. But Tulane, to their credit, I mean, I'm giving Tulane all the glory here. They don't really have rivals, and they're in the top 25. Yeah. They, and they don't have a whole lot of fans, and they're in the top twenty-five. Yeah, Wait, they, no, they don't have a whole lot of fans. They got a sold-out stadium this weekend. Do they really? Uh, I don't. I mean, I'm assuming a lot of that is Rebel fans coming down there. I didn't know that. Um, Good job there at uh, Yulman Stadium, Tulane in Mississippi. That is a mid-afternoon game on ESPN two. Yep, two thirty. Also, a good, intriguing SEC versus ACC game. You got the Aggies of Texas and A and M headed over to Hard Rock Stadium to take on the Miami Hurricanes. Oh yeah, a lot of lot of questions in the air about Miami. A lot of questions up in the air about Texas A and M. Um, I think we're going to find out. You know, we could find out a lot about both these teams this weekend, or we can find out absolutely nothing. Um, both of these teams are on the fence of being really great or really bad, just like A and M was last year. Um, I mean, we'll see. I'm very curious to see how this game plays out. How about the big battle of a team from the SEC going up against a team from another conference that's soon to be about, soon to be in the SEC? It's Texas at Alabama. That's the big marquee game of the weekend. Yeah, so I think it's a seven o'clock start or six o'clock start this, this weekend. Six T town, T town time start. Yeah, so yeah. they they played in Texas last year. They're down in Tuscaloosa this year. Um, Alabama's got both their starting safeties out for this game. Um, Texas has got probably the best quarterback room in the country. I mean, some of the best receivers, but it's Alabama. I mean, Alabama's favored by seven. I don't think that is something you could, you would take if you're a Camlin guy, but it's going to be a close game. I don't know if it's going to be high scored or not. I mean, I'm very curious to see how it pans out. Another game late after that Alabama game wraps up. All you Tide fans, you can tune in and see the Auburn Tigers. Do you know where they're playing? Out in California. They're playing the Cal Bears in a late game. And that's going to kind of wrap things up. And also. they're only favored by six and a half in that game. Is that a lot right? of a lot of good teams facing not so great teams with low spreads this week? So be careful out there if you're putting any money on these games. You another another late game is Oklahoma State. The Pokes will be at Mountain America Stadium in Tempe, taking on the Arizona State Sun Devils in a late game. So we got a full day Saturday of college football. And uh, Arizona State, man, they've got some juice. They're good. Really? Yeah, their quarterback is awesome. He's the guy that – he's the $13 million man that was going to $6 million in Miami and then Florida paid him $13 million. you got to be kidding. They're making that kind of money. Uh, well, no. Florida, like, they backed out on their contracts. So they signed him for $13 million. Jaden Rashada, quarterback. A, a, a quarterback out of high school yes. can make $13 million to go to – to a college yes he was signed to make 13 million dollars with the university of florida florida backed out of that contract that's part of the reason they're so bad now is people like their nil is in shambles because uh, of this guy so now he's at arizona state making no money where his dad played and uh, lighten it up so i imagine he'll be transferring after this season hmm. Kiefer ingles with all the juice all the gossip of hey. what's going on with college football nfl and more how do you know all this stuff uh, just just got to act like you did. <laughs> <laughs> so who am I putting my money on this week? That's another thing we didn't really get into too much. Who's the surefire winner this week? I mean, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's winning this week. I would – I mean, if you if you want to get crazy with it, parlay Notre Dame and Utah to win and you have yourself a little even money play and go sweat it out for the, the whole day. All right, now I've got to go to church after hearing all that talk. You get to go to church. Yes, that tr- that's true. 
Kiefer, thank you. We look forward to catching up with you on these picks and more next week. Yes, sir. It's been fun. All right. Appreciate it. We're going to wrap this hour up. After this, we've got hashtag Huddleballoo here on the show that shakes the Southland. Put that money on the Irish, he says. I was thumbing from Montgomery I had my guitar on my back When a stranger stopped beside me In an antique Cadillac He was dressed like 1950 Half drunk and hollow-eyed He said it's a long walk to Nashville Would you like to ride? And a happy belated birthday to Mr. David Allen Coe He turned 84 on Wednesday The dang Yankee David Allen Coe. We're back here on the Y'all Show. A little hashtag hullabaloo to close up our first hour of the Y'all Show. And Mr. Coe is certainly a legend. We lost a legend on Friday of last week with the passage of Jimmy Buffett. And another music legend has come out on social media. And here on hashtag hullabaloo, we scan the interwebs for southern conversations on the interwebs. And so from X we go, the account, Bob Seeger. His official account, he put out a message about the loss of Jimmy Buffett. He put, Sunshine personified. I never met a human being that didn't like him. He'll be greatly missed. Hashtag Jimmy Buffett. That from Bob Seeger, and a great message here about Jimmy Buffett. As he has uh, gone to the big coral reefer in the sky in the last few days. We will have actually some more conversation about Jimmy Buffett coming up on the Friday Y'all Show. We're going to have a tribute to Jimmy Buffett and play one of his most famous songs. It's, I think he called it the the Great Eight. I think that's right. Eight songs that he had to play with every performance. And one of those songs will be spinning for you on our Friday Y'all Show. But that's tomorrow. We still got plenty of this Thursday Y'all Show here on the program all about Dixie. So y'all stay where you are. We're coming back with hour two of the Y'all Show, powered by y'all.com. And let's uh, join this ride with David Alico, the birthday boy. Welcome back. It's y'all for hour two on a Thursday that the NFL season is kicking off. We actually have some developing news on this Thursday matchup between the Chiefs and the Lions, the opener for the 23 football season of NFL football. All that's coming. Once again, I want to thank Kiefer Ingles for dropping by in our opening hour, giving his take on the NFL and college football matchups going on here for this what is it going to be the second weekend of September? Yep. And 
even talking about some of the games happening here Thursday in both college and NFL. We are all about sports. We're all about news. We're all about the Southern Entertainment News. We've got our Nashville Music Line report headed your way later this hour where we have Laney Wilson and award the award-winning Laney Wilson of country music fame. We've got some developing stories about her and some nominations and, and so much more. All that is just around the corner of this second hour of the Y'all Show. We have coming up in our final hour today a look at the great festivals across the southeast. They're going to be celebrating cow peas in Dixie this weekend. I'll tell you where and what cow peas are all about. So could you pass the cow peas, please? We'll have all that. Plus, Doc Holliday is celebrated in Georgia this weekend. We'll give you all the juicy gossip of Doc Holliday and the Old West that he was part of. That's coming up in our final hour of the Y'all Show. If you want to be involved with Y'all, check us out. We're in podcast form on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app. We're in Apple Podcasts and Apple iTunes. You just search for Y'all Show, and voila, there we are, free of charge. You can listen to us. You can share. You can skip forward. You can slow it down. You got all those neat little gadgets within your favorite podcast option if you find our show. And we give you, on the Y'all Show, three hours of Southern conversation. We give you a lot of good information. We make you feel smarter. At least that's our objective here. We want you to blow everybody away the next time you gather around the coffee pot. Like, how did you know that? Where did you learn that, Bubba? And you can say, well, I I listened to this podcast called The You All Show. (laughs) And so we want to make you feel smarter. We want you to lift your head up and be proud that you're a rebel because the South's going to do it again. And uh, so we want you to be proud of your Southern connection when you listen to this show. We want you to be, if we can, a better person. And we try to bring some of that into the show. And last but not least, we hope we make you laugh. At least we try to. Sometimes it's not very funny what we talk about on here, but it's important to pass that information, the good and the bad, when we gather each and every weekday for the Y'all Show. So thank you. Once again, I haven't done my daily shout-out of thank you to all y'all, but thank you for, for tuning us in on great stations and on our podcast form as we have this pretty unique show. Nobody does it quite like we do. We shake up the Southland each and every day we get together at the Y'all Show. If you want to drop us an email, our email address is mail at y'all.com. Our text line, which is available 24-7, Let's pick up with some of the news headlines for this hour. We're keeping an eye on the Atlantic Ocean as Tropical Storm Lee is strengthening and is expected to shift into a hurricane sometime in the next few hours. The hurricane located today east of the northern Leeward Islands with maximum sustained winds of 75 miles per hour. Projections currently show that it's not making landfall but passing just northeast of the British Virgin Islands. But it's going to be something that if you keep your eye on the tropics, a matter of discussion for the next few days as according to a chief meteorologist for AccuWeather, 
Jonathan Porter said it has the potential, Lee that is, to become a powerful Category 5 hurricane, the strongest hurricane of the year. This thing has the potential as it's out there gaining momentum and more. It's moving slow, only 14 miles per hour currently, according to the National Hurricane Center. But I would be perking my ears up if I live anywhere in Florida, the Georgia coast, the Carolinas. I think projections show this thing's going to go to the Atlantic side of the south and not into the Gulf of Mexico. But don't trust me on this. I didn't go to meteorological school. (laughs) I didn't go to Mississippi State's broadcast meteorology school. I went to the school of hard knocks. And I went to the school of hurricane evacuation. I've been through and survived one pretty bad hurricane in my life, a Cat 4 hurricane. Don't want to go through that again if I can help it. One unbelievable, awesome positive that we have when it comes to hurricanes is we do get a little bit of a heads up that they're happening. In this case, we know days in advance of it potentially affecting the southeast of the United States. Sometimes like the one that came in at Panama City a few years back, you had about a 48 hours warning at most. And that's why that one was pretty rough when it went into that section of the panhandle in 2020, maybe? Is that when that happened? And was just awful, awful when that went in there. I'm trying to think of the name of that beach town near Panama City that was essentially wiped out. I've not been to that place. I actually I've never been I've never really been to Panama City. And that's probably something that you should revoke my southern credentials for for admitting that. I've been to Destin a bunch. I've been as far south as the Red Door there on 30A, but I really haven't hung out too much on 30A there in the panhandle of Florida. And I've been to Apalachicola. I had a great time. I've hung out east of Panama City as I went over to Port St. Joe and had a nice meal or two there in that section of the panhandle of Florida. But somehow, some way, I have somehow missed hanging out in Panama City, Florida. I'll be happy to take anybody's invitation to come down and hang out. The community that I was trying to think of was Mexico Beach. That was just leveled by the hurricane a few years ago. And I have not been to Mexico Beach, Florida in my time of of hanging out in the Sunshine State. But yes, a beautiful portion of the Southeast for sure, that section of the Sunshine State of Florida. And if you haven't been to Apalachicola, the oyster capital of the Southeast, by the way, you need to Go devour those if you're able to, if you can stomach oysters. And the kind of cool place around there to go to the beach is St. George Island. That's right down the corner, right around the corner from Apalachicola, Florida. But right now, I think that area is going to be spared from Lee as Lee makes its way toward the Atlantic, it appears. Or maybe the best scenario is it just finds an avenue and heads back out to sea and we... We'll forget about this thing. Kind of like the one from the other day, Adalia. After it went through the Carolinas, 
it went off the shores of off of Myrtle Beach, and it had potentially the ability to circle back and come back and hit the southeast again. Luckily, that did not happen with Adalia from two weeks ago. But uh, this week, the story is tropical storm soon to be Hurricane Lee. Elsewhere in our news headlines for this hour, let's take you down to Tampa, where the University of South Florida, USF, is going to build a $340 million on-campus football stadium. That sounds pretty good for the Bulls, don't you think? A team that kicked off its football season for the first time ever as they played the Citadel Bulldogs there in Tampa in 1997. And now USF is going to build a new football stadium on campus. Their first year, I think they played at the old Sombrero, the old Tampa Stadium, before they moved into Raymond James Stadium for their games, the current home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but it also has been for 25 years the home of USF. And so beginning in 2026, USF is going to open up a $340 million 35,000-seat stadium on campus there in the eastern edge of Tampa. And because of that new campus opening up for this, are they now in the, no, they didn't make it to the Big 12. They're, they're, they're still in the American Athletic Conference, USF is. But this new st- campus stadium will make it easy for students to go to, and it'll be truly more like a true college football team when they have an on-campus stadium instead of playing in a parking lot where the Buccaneers play. Unfortunately for USF, this expenditure of some $300 million plus is ticking off some of the people who would rather see that money go toward academic reasons as they're having to finance the stadium with about a $200 million loan and that is a Affecting some of the faculty and students of USF as USF is part of the prestigious Association of American Universities and a professor there Jasinski Schneider I'm sorry Jennifer Jasinski Schneider is a literary or rather a literacy studies professor didn't know you could study literacy but evidently this person does and uh She's not happy. She's president of the faculty senate, and she voted against the debt plan of USF trying to fund this stadium. She says, we build buildings without something like this, and so the funds being diverted from all the academic sources are concerning to us. So they're moving academic money to pay for a a dang football stadium. And that's what's happening, and it's not exactly making people happy there on campus I often have found as a guy who once taught and maybe will teach again on a college campus that I think in the school of journalism where I was a part of I might have been the only person that went to football games we had like 30 people at this SEC school that I was part of and taught journalism 102 um yeah I know that I know I was the only professor or instructor that would show up on game days with 
maybe a, a nice collegiate shirt on, a, a nice polo for that school. Most of those people are so caught up in their academic worlds and trying to be smarty pants that they don't even pay attention to to the athletics of that university. That's that's what I found. Maybe I'm just not a smarty pants and I've got some smarty pants jealousy going on. <laughs> uh yeah, but I I would I would be the kind of person that would teach classes on Friday and that on Saturday you'd see me out there having a few cold ones tailgating and going to a game and then I'd show back up Monday and see some students who likely were out there doing the same thing I was doing and I'd have some sympathy for them especially if it was coming in after a loss of which during my time at uh, said university there were a lot of losses it's tough to go to college when your team's a loser luckily my undergrad years we were one of the best teams and one double a football we were the number one team in the land my senior year yeehaw yeehaw absolutely and that made well i mean honestly i made the dean's list my senior year of college and i'm going to attribute it to great success on the gridiron how does that sound so yeah all you college professors and students and more you need to be rooting for your team to Get out there and win because it's good. It's good for all when everybody's winning. And maybe if USF had a few more wins coming their way, they, they got a new coach, I'm pretty sure, this year. USF ended up hiring a few years back Jeff Scott, who had been an assistant coach at Clemson, a former Clemson player, the son of Brad Scott, who was the old South Carolina Gamecock head football coach. And they fired Jeff Scott. And USF has brought in a new coach this year. And if you'll give me a sec, I'll pull up who that is because I wasn't familiar with Alex Galesh, USF's new head coach, who has the distinction, by the way, Alex does, of being from a true football mecca. He is from the football mecca and no wonder he's a college football coach at age 39, by the way. Alex Galesh was born not in Tuscaloosa, not born in Athens, Georgia. The USF head football coach who lost his opening game, by the way. <laughs> he's 0-1. Uh, he might be sent to Siberia if he doesn't square himself away pretty soon in Tampa. Alex Galesh, head coach of the USF Bulls, was born in Moscow, not the one in Tennessee. He was born in Moscow, Russia. How about that? A Russian-American is head coach of a college football team. Galesh moved to the United States as a child, grew up in Brooklyn and in Dublin, Ohio. And he is, I wonder if uh, Vladimir Putin's got him on speed dial. <laughs> he got to USF because he was with Josh Heupel at Tennessee. He was UT's offensive coordinator and tight ends coach in 2021, helping Tennessee set all kind of records and, and did a great job at UT. And now he has a chance to be head coach of the Bulls of USF the 39-year-old head coach of the 
South Florida Bulls. Russian-born Alex Galesh. Didn't think I'd be talking about Moscow, Russia on today's Y'all Show. But, you know, this show can take you down, twist and turns. Yeah, you just don't see it coming. Let's keep football talk going. Let's keep Tampa area news going. But this still file is filed under the news category for the Y'all Show. Mike Williams. Have y'all, y'all remember that name, the former NFL wide receiver? He's now fighting for his life following a work accident. And this follows reports that Williams had actually died from injuries during this work incident. He's in a Florida hospital right now fighting for his life. The 36-year-old former wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Buffalo Bills. He was at a construction site and there was an accident earlier this week. And according to his agent, He's on life support. His mother, the mother of his eight-year-old daughter, told a Tampa Bay Times reporter that Williams was mostly non-responsive when they visited him earlier this week. And he is having a tough, tough time. This former Buffalo Bill and Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Williams played at Syracuse collegiately. He's a Buffalo native. And again, has been out of football for several years now. And I don't know what kind of work he was doing, but he was out of football working in what sounds like maybe some construction work. And a workplace accident has put him evidently in a fight for his life. We wish Mike Williams the best and his family the best. Elsewhere in our headlines across the southeast today, you know, we keep talking about football, and if you don't like football, okay, I I, I feel you, okay? We get it. We get it. But you know what football does mean? It means that we're just right here on the edge of fall. Fall is here in some portions of the south. Just go outside and look. Get that feel might not feel it if your portion of the south is a hundred and some degrees today we've got an article courtesy of wate.com that is an east tennessee based operation and they've got an article up called when to see the peak fall foliage in east tennessee and as we now are in the month of september's uh, september temperatures might be descending a little bit in some areas of dixie and in east tennessee i think they are coming down to some degree, with highs in the 80s, nighttime lows in the 60s in East Tennessee. WATE's storm team is expecting the peak fall foliage to still be about a month away, as that's when colder temperatures are needed, especially at night, for the leaves to change. According to WATE meteorologist Ken Weathers, The combination of shorter daylight hours and colder nighttime temps is what slows the chlorophyll production and allows the leaves to change colors because there isn't really a stretch of these conditions over the next 7 to 10 days. They don't expect to see a big change in foliage color in the near future. So you're going to have to wait just about a month. If you're wanting to go into western North Carolina or east Tennessee and check out all the beautiful leaves and the orange and brown and other colors they present higher elevations of the great smoky mountains 
You can go anytime mid-October, October 8th to 15th, according to WATE, and see extremely beautiful scenes there. In some of the lower elevations, the foothills of the East Tennessee counties of Monroe, Blunt, Sevier, Green counties, a little later, October 15th to 22 is what WATE is showing from a standpoint of going outside and seeing that awesome fall foliage which we're right on the edge of it but you probably want to hold off on that east tennessee vacation or western north carolina vacation on if you're going there specifically for for leaves you might get a better deal right now i bet you when it's peak season there for leaves you're going to pay a lot more for a hotel room or you're going to have to stand in line at the cracker barrel a lot longer I got to remember, I went to a place in Pigeon Forge. See, what happens is if you're not a local and you go into that section of East Tennessee, some of those towns kind of all blend together. Am I in Sevierville? Am I in Pigeon Forge right now? And a few years back, I found myself there on a little journey. I was actually going to Western North Carolina and I stopped off in the Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg Sevierville area, the the three tri-cities, if you will, of East Tennessee. And the hotel I stayed in was very nice. But it was right next to, and if I can pull this up, it was right next to a really cool eatery. I don't know if I can pull this up today right now or not. I better not. I don't want to leave y'all hanging. I'm trying to make this show again exciting, and I can't be exciting when I'm sitting here researching restaurants. Unless you want me to. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to get back on here. No, it was a pretty cool restaurant. I went to it. I, I'm not going to get the name exactly right, but it was something that had like a farm feel to it. Maybe like a farmer's table type restaurant. If y'all if y'all know it, hit me up here at the Y'all Show text line and, and tell me because... It's been at least two years since I was over there and, and had a, a really good experience. And this restaurant was right next to where I was hanging out there in East Tennessee. And, hey, it's a great time to go to East Tennessee anyway. And Western North Carolina, i got to throw that in there too. North Georgia's got some great mountains, great views. Shenandoah Valley, beautiful area. Eastern Kentucky, don't want to leave them out. Don't think that you've got to go out west meaning the Rocky Mountains, to see beautiful mountains. you you got that right here in the southeast. And specifically for mountain viewing and, and fall foliage viewing, you got that. You just might want to wait a few more weeks for the peak season, according to W-A-T-E. All right, one last news story before we get out of here. Maybe during the break I can research that Sevierville area restaurant because, you know, I don't, I don't want to leave you hanging. Dollar Tree is going to change its prices back to a dollar on the hundreds of items. Whoa, way to go, Dollar Tree. How about that? It's the first reverse Biden policy that I've seen. Everything in Biden world, things go up two and threefold. But how about Dollar Tree? According to the website GoBankingRates.com, they're reporting that Dollar Tree, the discount chain, is planning on changing some of the prices back to one flat dollar. And they're doing that due in part to competition from other retailers. As the website notes that it's hard to have a name like Dollar Tree 
when other people can outdo you when you have higher prices because of Bidenomics. Dollar Tree CEO at an investors conference last week said that it's pretty hard to have a banner like Dollar Tree and you have an item that everybody else has at a dollar and you're at a buck and a quarter. Rick, you got a point there, sir. The chief merchandising officer for Dollar Tree, Rick McNeely, estimates the change will involve as many as 400 of the 8,000 items in Dollar Tree. That's 5% of their inventory. They're going to bring the price back down to $1. I hope it's on my favorite body wash. I usually go to Dollar Tree for a body wash (laughs) buying experience. I, I like my Dollar soap. What else do I get at Dollar Tree? They're the only place that I routinely see the candy bar, Charleston Chew. Like me some nougat of Charleston Chew. Maybe it's just because of my love of the holy city. But I can't even find Charleston Chews in Charleston. Chew on that for a minute. Um, Dollar Tree, yeah, we've got them all over the southeast. In fact, it was over the weekend that uh, my traveling partner went traveling with me and uh forgot the toothbrush so i was waking up sunday thinking you're not going to use my toothbrush of course it was my my son and i love my son but even you don't want your child using your toothbrush if you can help it right i happened to find out that i have a i had an extra toothbrush in my traveling kit and so I, I i got it my dentist my former dentist and my current dentist i've had to change dentist because my dentist retired but uh do you, does your dentist give you a new toothbrush every time you go and spend five thousand dollars visiting them for a, for a cleanup probably not probably not mine does whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, but yeah my old dentist I, I still had a couple of toothbrushes so i stuck one in my overnight bag as a little emergency and so i I was able to to give that one to my my uh, offspring sunday but i was i was actually ready to go down to the dollar tree and get me a a brand a a new toothbrush and frankly i was going to get him a whole little setup he needs this is hard to find y'all he needs actually a toothbrush holder the little plastic thing you can stick your toothbrush in that that's that's what i really need to get him and, and leave that in his little traveling bag but uh, luckily, I, I, I didn't have to get out there at the crack of dawn Sunday in my uh, unshowered self and, and get him a toothbrush. Actually, we checked out at 11 o'clock at the hotel. And so I had plenty of time to get me a nice shower and go out and uh, seize the day. But Dollar Tree's got those toothbrushes. They got that dollar stuff, and they got that dollar body wash the one of the main reasons i go by there back in 2021 dollar tree announced it was changing its price model to include items up to five dollars the chesapeake virginia based dollar tree operates over 15,000 locations in 48 states how about that chesapeake virginia dollar tree capital of the world and here at the y'all show we love to give you all the juicy gossip and ways to save you money But we also like to promote on this program our southern-based businesses and 
How about that? A Virginia-based company, Dollar Tree. Well, here's a dollar. I'll give you another dollar. If you hang on through the break, when we come back on the Y'all Show, we will keep on trucking. We've got a report on all things Nashville. Lainey Wilson. We're going to play one of her big songs. And we've got some Lainey news and more and some Priscilla Presley news. It's the Nashville Music Line Report. It is up next. debut album we're back on the y'all show a little country music news and notes here it's called the nashville music line i'm john rawl the general of all things southern and that includes music city usa and how about the baskin louisiana lady laney oh man not only does she have great album tracks like la that one right there she ain't ever been to california but she's been to georgia and she in her world la is louisiana and lower alabama love that song maybe that'll be re-released one day as a single because it's pretty catchy Lainey Wilson the farmer's girl the farmer's girl from northeast Louisiana and she is continuing to have one heck of a year as Lainey Wilson now tops the CMA awards nominations for the second year in a row last year she was a first time nominee and now in 2023 she becomes the first and only artist to top the nominations list in her first two appearances on the CMA Awards ballot. She got six nominations last year. This year, Laney Wilson nominated nine times. Get this. Laney nominated for Album of the Year, Song of the Year, Music Video, Entertainer, Female Vocalist of the Year. And she's got nominations in the single year category for Heart Like a Truck and also for Hardy's Weight in the Truck. That's got to be confusing. Two of her biggest songs of late. Heart Like a Truck, Weight in the Truck. Okay. And she's also nominated for Musical Event of the Year. And she's nominated for Weight in the Truck and her Jelly Roll song, Save Me. Laney Wilson now ties The Hag, Merle, and Miranda Lambert for scoring nine nominations in just one year. 
and that's just one behind what Alan Jackson did back in 2002 when he got 10 nominations. AJ, awesome singer there. But Lainey Wilson is just killing it, y'all. And she's leading the 2023 Country Music Award nominations with nine nominations. I don't know what she won last year, though. Maybe she didn't win at the CMAs because this article doesn't say that she won any of those things last year, but she did win at the ACMs, I'm pretty sure. I don't care. She's winning the award at life, in my opinion. She's she's just she's awesome. Now, as I referenced in hour one, I'm a little jealous of her because I thought we had a thing, Laney. So back in 2021, is that right? Yeah, 2021, I had a little medical issue, and I got put in the hospital for a few days. And I had not been in the hospital since I was five years old. And I was laying there in the hospital with nobody coming to see me, by the way, because nobody knew I was in the hospital. It wasn't life or death, but I was in, the, I was in there. Got the medical bills to, to prove it. I was laying there one Saturday evening on my hospital bed, and I had that crazy thing that you use to change the TV that's in your room. And I was flipping up and down and flipping, trying to find something worth watching. And I wasn't heavily medicated, so I, I, I'm not blaming on, on the doctors doing this, but somewhere in my flipping, I found GAC. Is that right? No, no, no. I didn't find GAC. I don't think GAC even exists anymore, the country music television network. I found Circle. And Circle has the Grand Ole Opry on Saturday evenings. And I've worked in the back of the Grand Ole Opry house in my past years working in Nashville. So I'm familiar with that whole deal. But I found the Circle Network flipping through on a Saturday night, and lo and behold, there was this stunning lady singing on stage, and and, uh, she caught my eye. Her music was great. But what really caught me off guard was unlike all these other slick, polished, non-Southern country starlets and singers, frankly, male or female, this girl was country this girl was southern and there was no disguise in it she she sings with a southern accent she definitely talks with a southern accent and then she's just she's just southern that needs to be a t-shirt company just southern <laughs> don't steal that y'all and so I, I instantly became fascinated by Lainey Wilson and this was when she had her first song Things a Man Ought to Know was just coming out on radio and I I watched that song go all the way to number one and that's pretty impressive for not only a debut artist but Things a Man Ought to Know is a fairly slow song and slow songs don't often get big time airplay on country radio so I was impressed that she pulled that feet off and, and then she backed that up with Heart Like a Truck, which is just another great song, which I don't think it went to number one. It went to number two, thanks to Morgan Wallen getting in there and messing things up. But yeah, Lainey, she caught my attention, and she she's funny. 
that's another reason I really like Lainey Wilson. She's just a natural. She's just absolutely natural. And there's someone, I think, listening to me right now that can back it up. I remember telling her in 2021, 2021, hey, there's this new person I really like. And uh, you know who you are. I told you that. I, I claimed I claimed Lainey before anybody else. I tried to do an interview with Lainey Wilson back in 2021, and she she didn't shoot me down but her people basically ignored me and it wasn't because she was a big star at that time i don't know what their problem was it was mainly because of covid they people were laney for the first eight months or so was not touring she she was stuck in a upstairs bedroom i know so because if you go back you might find some old videos of her essentially doing like facebook live sessions and she she was hilarious i'm telling you she's got a a heck of a future and i can back that up she's on yellowstone she has taken her opportunity that's in front of her being this big country singer to even segue into acting and she's on one of the most popular tv shows in its final season of yellowstone so yeah laney wilson kudos to you and she's got a boyfriend supposedly devlin hodges former samford bulldog out of the Southern Conference. That's her her man, her QB. But uh, you know what, Laney? I'll be the backup quarterback. And if things don't work out with you and Devlin, I am available just for you. And we can sit on the back of a truck and talk about farm life. She's a farmer's daughter. I'm a farmer's son. We got that in common. She moved to Nashville. That was her dream after college. I moved to Nashville after college. I think I've met her way back in the day thanks to Jerry Cupid. Jerry Cupid, a Nashville songwriter, is from her same hometown of Baskin, Louisiana. And I got to know him a little bit. He had a studio in the Berry Hill section of Nashville. And I went by there one time. And the reason I think I met her, she lived in the parking lot of that studio in a, in a trailer, a travel trailer for years. And I got to know Jerry's daughter, Memory, who sadly died a few years ago of, I think, breast cancer at like 42, 43 years old. Jerry Cupid has also passed away. I like Jerry Cupid because he helped write one of the great songs of the 1990s. And I say it's great because it's catchy, it's awesome, but for whatever reason, it didn't go to the very top of the chart. But it was one heck of a song. Ken Mellon's and Jukebox Junkie. You know what? I might have to play that when we come back from the break. I love that song, Jukebox Junkie. I'm just an old jukebox junkie. Uh, Yeah, that was co-written by Jerry Cupid, who kind of looked out after Lainey when she first came to town as a total unknown. She's not an unknown anymore. Now, one of the people that Lainey is tied in with is Hardy out of Philadelphia, Mississippi. And he's nominated for Wait in the Truck in both the single and musical event of the year categories at this year's CMA Awards. And in other categories, Chris Stapleton, Carrie Underwood, and Morgan Wallen are nominated for the Entertainer of the Year nominees. Megan Maroney and Tennessee Orange, as well as Laney Wilson's fellow Louisiana singer, Jordan Davis, and his Next Thing You Knew, those are nominated for the Song of the Year categories. The CMA Awards air November 8th on ABC starting at 8 Eastern, 7 o'clock, Music Row time. And that is a report on that 
from Music City, USA. Elsewhere in our news, or rather entertainment headlines of today's Y'all Show, let me make sure I pull up the right page here. We have some Priscilla Presley news that I wanted to tell you about. Is Something's just come out about that starlet there, the wife of the late singer Elvis Aaron Presley. And Priscilla, of course, she's had some issues with the estate of Elvis Presley since her daughter Lisa Marie passed away earlier this year. And now Priscilla is reflecting on her early days with Elvis and the age gap between them at a press conference following the premiere of Sofia Coppola Coppola, Coppola's film Priscilla. At a press conference, Priscilla addressed her age gap with Elvis, saying she was respectful of her age, or that he was, rather. Priscilla and Elvis met in 1959 when she was 14 and Elvis was 24. We all know the story. Elvis was in Germany serving in the United States Army back in the late 1950s. And they met and would ultimately get married. This new film on Priscilla is based on her 1985 memoir, Elvis and Me. That movie comes out October 27th. Priscilla called Elvis the love of her life as they were married from 1967 to 1973. And this new movie, I think it'll do well. I really do. And Priscilla's out talking about it. In fact, here's a quote from this press conference. If I can make sure it's not too X-rated here. She says that Elvis would pour his heart out to me, his fears, his hopes, the loss of his mother, which he never got over. And I was the person who really, really sat there to listen and to comfort him. I was a little bit older in life than in numbers, and that was the attraction. And, you know, people think, oh, it was sex. No, not at all. I never had sex with him. He was very kind, very soft, very loving. But he also respected the fact that I was only 14 years old. We were more in mind and thought. And that was our relationship. Those thoughts from Priscilla Presley about her love of her life, Elvis Aaron Presley. And that movie, I can't wait to see it. Most Elvis films are pretty dang good. Except the ones that he starred in. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever seen a Elvis movie in its entirety. In fact, I don't know if I've seen five minutes of an Elvis movie, come to think about it. See y'all at an Elvis movie near you. Just kidding. We'll come back after this timeout and give you a developing story from the NFL. Kiefer Ingles just dropped by and say, hey, uh, there's something I need to revise from what I said in hour one. So we'll, we'll find out what that's all about when we come right back. All right, we have come to the end of hour two of the Y'all Show. Quick update, sports-wise, Kiefer Ingles ran in and said, hey, no, 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 hold on, I need to revise something I told you in hour one. So it looks like Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey is officially listed as questionable for this Thursday night opener against the Detroit Lions. I don't think that'll matter. I think the Lions are going to get the big win here, the opener of NFL football. That's my personal opinion. Kelsey had a hyperextended knee earlier this week in practice. So that's some NFL news to wrap up hour number two. We'll be back with hour three.
know, when the music plays, it kind of means I need to shut up and start talking. Welcome back in. It's our final hour of the Thursday program all about the South. We are y'all talk with an accent on the South. John Rawl, the general of the South. Good to have you back here on a Thursday where we've got temperatures in much of the South hovering around 90, but mostly pretty nice. Although weather is on our mind, we've got a Another tropical storm potentially affecting the southeast. I'll share you with you all about Lee as we wrap up this final hour today. We also have in this third hour a quick update on some sports news. Tom Brady, a y'all show listener, has sent me some info on Mr. Brady. As today we have the start of the 2023 NFL season. So more sports news. Uh, another glance at some of the college games going on as we get you ready for Thursday night football, both college and NFL. we got a battle going on in Kentucky from the college world here on this Thursday. We have that, plus can't wait to get to the end of the hour. We will tell you about exciting festivals going on across the 16 southern states, from cow peas to a celebration of Doc Holliday in Georgia. Yeah, all that's coming up, and some bluegrass festivals. I think we got a couple of rock festivals, lots of music being celebrated here on this mid-September weekend. Is that is that right? It's not quite mid-September. It's going to be the 9th on Saturday. Yeah, we're pretty close. Let's just go ahead and round up. <laughs> that old clock's a-ticking, y'all. We'll have all that as part of our Southern Travel Report here of this Thursday Y'all Show. If you want to be involved, we've got a couple of easy ways for you to do it. Our email address is mail, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. And we have a text line available 24 hours a day, 615-208-4184. And you can find the Y'all Show in podcast form as we have a great, great couple of ways to find us in podcast form. Spotify, we're also on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, as well as Apple Podcast and Apple iTunes. Just search Y'all Show, and if you have a problem, find us add my name if you don't mind just put j-o-n after you to type out y'all show and chances are it'll pop right up and it's free of charge it's so easy to find us and if you like what you're listening to do us a, a favor and tell everybody down there at the body shop or the beauty shop or whatever whatever kind of shop you go to about how you catch up with what's going on across the southeast in a way that nobody else does it the y'all show each and every day three hours of dixie greatness so thank you for all of our listeners and uh let's get in and if you don't mind we'll go ahead and dive into some of the news headlines here for this final hour of the y'all show so as i said it's tropical storm lee soon to be a hurricane that's right now near the leeward islands of the bahamas area well more more over in the atlantic is where you'll find this thing but it's certainly catching our attention as we head into the weekend as tropical storm lee has the potential to be according to forecasters a really ugly storm i think i saw where one meteorologist says it is bordering category five potential but but certainly gonna get to be a category four storm according to some of the meteorologists looking at it from the national hurricane center and more now the noaa folks warned us that this year's hurricane season would produce an above normal above normal number of storms they say between 14 to 21 named storms and since this is lee this means that this storm there in the atlantic right now 
is the 12th named storm of 2023. And so watch out for this hurricane. It is expected to generate life-threatening swells on Friday in the Lesser Antilles and in Puerto Rico. It looks like it's going to just get past British Virgin Islands and the USVI, thankfully, and then possibly get out there in the Bahamas area and could come ashore somewhere there and or the Atlantic coast of the south. We hope not. But right now, we are keeping an eye on this storm that currently has sustained winds of 75 miles per hour. It is Tropical Storm Lee expected to become a hurricane in the coming hours if it hasn't already been classified that and it will be a a news and weather item of note going into the next few days elsewhere in our headlines across the southeast a judge has ordered the state of texas to move floating barriers that the lone star state has been using to deter migrants as they've tried to come into the u.s from mexico U.S. District Judge David Ezra on Wednesday stopped short of ordering Texas to dismantle the wrecking ball-sized buoys that are floating out there in the Rio Grande, but he called them a threat to safety, and he says it affects the U.S. relationship with the country of Mexico. Of course it does. These things aren't very pretty out there. Kind of remind me of the uh, little bobbers, I think that's what they're called, the things that you go fishing with when you have a worm on your line and yet these things kind of float out there on the water that's what these things kind of look like giant bobbers on the rio Grande. i wonder what the fishing is like on the rio Grande. you know that thing starts way up in colorado it really freaked me out when i was out there a couple years ago and i'm driving in the middle of the rocky mountains and i see a sign that says rio Grande river i'm like oh man i guess they ran out of names they couldn't come up with a better name and come to find out those are where the headwaters of the rio grande they start way up there in the rocky mountains and then flow through new mexico and then starting there around el paso become the border with mexico so river talk here and in the united states right now there's a dilemma between the biden administration and texas as it was the biden administration that pushed for these barriers to go away that greg abbott the governor of texas has been pushing for something to help keep the illegal immigration coming in from the nation of mexico many of those migrants by the way coming from all over the world speaking of the biden administration joe biden's son hunter may face gun charges that is the story from wednesday as court documents filed on wednesday show a filing that hunter biden came in gun possession and a gun he illegally possessed a gun it's what he shouldn't have had a gun and he had a gun and he got caught with it that was the problem he's accused of having a firearm while being a drug user and now biden as in hunter is going to face a gun charge indictment by the end of the month of september those are the stories coming out from wednesday did you hear about a new covid19 booster shot It looks like it's headed our way as a new booster shot could be available as early as the end of this month. Doctors at Vanderbilt Medical Center in Nashville said that there are more COVID-19 cases going on right now. And to help stop that, Vanderbilt researchers and more have come out with a 
COVID-19 booster shot. And that will be available later in this month. It's a shot that the USDA is getting ready to approve. And I think that is expected to happen this week with the shots then being available to the public later in September. Now, keep in mind, this new COVID-19 booster will not be covered by the feds. It's going to cost you just over $110 if you've got to go get the booster. So you've got to make that decision. Do I really want another jab in the arm? Is it really going to make a difference? And maybe most important, (laughs) do I want to spend $110 on a shot? Because those other ones were free of charge thanks to the United States government. I guess they were. Now, Vanderbilt does have a connection to the COVID-19 vaccines. Remember, it was the Moderna vaccine that was researched there at Vanderbilt, and a lady named Dolly Parton helped fund the research behind the COVID-19 Moderna shot. And remember, when she got one, she kind of did, and and Dolly, true Dolly style, she said, I guess I'm getting a dose of my own medicine (laughs) when she got her Moderna shot. Elsewhere in our headlines across the southeast today, want to let you know about if you want to head to East Tennessee soon to see some of the fall leaves. If you haven't got your fall travel plans down, WATE.com has an article up all about the best times to go check out the beautiful scenes of East Tennessee. And I'll throw in there western North Carolina and North Georgia too. Heck, why not Virginia and Kentucky while we're at it? All of the states that you can see from Rock City. We'll just knock them all out at once. But yes, according to the meteorologist at WATE, they are expecting the peak fall foliage this year to still be about a month away. As colder temperatures are needed, especially at nighttime. So if you're wanting to plan your fall foliage vacation, if you want to get on the Harley and head over to East Tennessee or up or down or whichever direction you need to go to check out beautiful scenes of Tennessee and North Carolina. I think South Carolina's got a few good mountainous areas you can check out too. Florida, no, not so much. And Woodall Mountain in Mississippi ain't going to cut it. Not going to be a high enough elevation there in Tishomingo County to, to see fall foliage in your state. And then the rest of the South, you're just probably out of luck. But it looks like, according to WATE, the highest elevations of the Great Smoky Mountains are going to have great fall foliage for you to check out between October 8th and 15th is when that's going to start. And then in the lower elevations, the foothills of East Tennessee, counties like Blunt, Sevier, Green counties, October 15th through the 22nd is sort of the launch date for beautiful fall foliage. A sure sign that fall has arrived when that goes down about a month away. So hold off on that trip to East Tennessee, Western North Carolina, and and more. And that wraps up our news headlines here for our number three of the Y'all Show. When we come back, we've got a little bit more sports information, including Tom Brady. Yes, what's he up to? Well, our insider here at the Y'all Show, our contributor, if you will, T.R., has sent me something and I got a, I got a, she's kind of my Tom Brady insider, to be honest with you. I'll share with you what she's out here telling me about today. And we'll also have other football news and notes as we start winding this hour down. 
And we will, before we get out of here, tell you all about some great festivals going on in the southeast this weekend. It's part of our Festive South feature as we walk through some of the fun of music festivals, food festivals. And, yeah, you might have to wait about a month for the leaves to be a vacation option for you. But this weekend, we've got plenty of great festivals. I'll tell you all about it when we come back on Y'all. an old jukebox junkie spending my time spending my money feeding this habit with hardcore country I'm just an old jukebox junkie I can't stand it here music stop I keep dropping my quarters in the slot I play every song from A to Z I'm just an old jukebox junkie summer dancing fool summer hooked on food some get their fix on an old bar stool. A handful of quarters is all I need. It don't take much to satisfy me. Oh, I'm just an old jukebox junkie spending my time, spending my money, beating this habit with hardcore country. I'm just an old jukebox junkie. I can't stand it here. Music stop, I keep dropping my quarters in the slot. Spending my time, spending my money, feeding this habit with hardcore country. I'm just an old jukebox junkie. I can't stand it here. Music stop, I keep dropping my quarters in the slot. I play every song from A to Z. I'm just an old jukebox junkie. I'm just an old jukebox junkie. Spending my time, spending my money. Tell them about it, Ken Mellons. Yeah. Told you I would play that song there. That From, I think, 1995, Ken had that one out on Epic Records. The Hermitage, Tennessee native, Ken Mellons, who, here's a fun fact. I, I had a chance to hang around Ken a little bit. In fact, one time he came by my office and gave me a gigantic poster of himself in a bathtub with bubbles. Now, why would he do that? That was a promotional poster, by the way. It wasn't anything specific to me, but Ken, I appreciate the sentiment. Now, I wasn't there when he dropped by, thank goodness. Ken's kind of an ugly guy, kind of like me. But no, he had a song after that song there, Jukebox Junkie, called Rubba Dubbin'. And uh, he had this 
poster of him in a bathtub with bubbles to help promote that song. <laughs> it didn't do too well. Not as good as Jukebox Junkie. And the reason I played that song is, again, as I said in hour two in our country music entertainment news, that song co-written by a guy that is from Laney Wilson's hometown, a guy that was an influence to her, a guy who helped bring her to Nashville, Jerry Cupid, the late Jerry Cupid, co-wrote that song. In fact, Jerry told me one time about writing Jukebox Junkie. That song's got three writers, and, and Jerry was one of the co-writers of the song. And there's a there's a guy that co-wrote that song, and then there's a woman that is listed as a co-writer of that hit song, Jukebox Junkie. It's been about 15 years since I heard this story from Jerry, the late Jerry. He's passed away since. But the uh, story that Jerry didn't mind telling was the woman behind the co-writer of that song was his then-girlfriend. Mm, you know where this is going, right? And supposedly she kind of helped him out there with his studio in Berry Hill in that section of Nashville. In addition to being his girlfriend, she, I guess, worked there as a receptionist or something like that. We love our receptionist, by the way. And evidently, he and this guy were writing this song, which would become Jukebox Junkie, and his girlfriend says, I want my name on there. I want to be listed as a co-writer. And you know what? He says he, he put her name on there. And then this song gets recorded and becomes a hit song for Ken Mellon's his debut song, by the way. And this lady who really, according to according to Jerry had hardly anything to do with the writing of the song as she gets listed as a co-writer and Ken uh, rather Jerry Cubitt told me it cost him about a half million dollars for that inclusion of her on that song so don't let love get in the way when you're out writing hit songs is my point and again Jerry let Laney Wilson a brand new resident of the Nashville area park her travel trailer in his parking lot for a couple of years she she talks about it pretty interesting story and uh, we try to share interesting stories as much as we can here on the show that shakes up the Southland we're going to tell you about some great festivals of the South in a few moments but first let me bring you up to speed on some of the southern sports news of the day we've got NFL football kicking off on this Thursday as the Chiefs there in Kansas City welcome in the Detroit Lions for a primetime game as the NFL season is starting off. And one quick note from the NFL. Tight end Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs now listed as questionable for this season opener against Detroit. He hyperextended his knee during practice on Tuesday and has an inflammation as a result of that injury. Adam Schefter, shifty Adam Schefter, the ESPN insider is reporting that the team says it believes his ACL is intact after tests were conducted earlier in the week. So, yeah, something tells me he might be out there playing. Bad news for all you Lions fan. And I mean that sincerely. I think there's only one Lion fan in the world. So, sorry about that. Uh, Kelsey's brother is a Philadelphia Eagles player, center Jason Kelsey. And he said on Wednesday that he and his brother spoke and said that Travis has some swelling going on. Uh, I guess you could say he's swole. He's swole, y'all. Uh, but uh, from what Jason said, a big guy there for the Eagles, fly, Eagles, fly, he says his knee's fine, and it's about getting that swelling down and 
seeing how bruised the bone is. So I, I would say there's a dang good chance Kelsey will be out there catching balls. But don't go to Vegas on what I say. And so that's the story from the NFL again. It's the Chiefs and the Lions. And that game launches at 820 Eastern, 720 Central on NBC. Thursday Night Football. And it returns. The glory of NFL football is back today. We have a couple of college games to tell you about for this Thursday of this weekend. One game going on in Louisville at Cardinal Stadium from the FBS ranks, the Murray State Racers. They race up to Louisville for a 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 kick on the uh, on the ACC network is where you'll find that Thursday night matchup. And then, uh, do we not have any other FCS teams in action for this Thursday? I, I'm, I'm not seeing any. So that is your lone college football game at the Division I level. we got some FCS fun going down on Friday, it looks like, but not, at least on the website I'm checking out right now, I would think there would be several FCS teams of the South, at least, trying to get out there and get a head start on the weekend, but maybe everybody's still recovering from week one. And we had games, again, just that wrapped up Monday. Wow, I had a chance to see the replay while eating chicken wings. Love me some Wednesday chicken wing specials, and a lot of places in Dixie have Specials where you can go in and get wings at half off, which that's what I had Thursday, or rather Wednesday evening. And there's one place that I love to go to that has chicken wings and waffles on Wednesdays. And you can get wings and a waffle and a just just unbelievably good tea for about $9. That's hard to beat. really is. I'm not going to tell you where it is because, first of all, they're not a sponsor. But secondly, I don't want everybody showing up there and they decide, hey, we might want to raise our price. Let me tell you about some women's basketball news. LSU head basketball coach Kim Mulkey is going to sign the richest contract in women's basketball history. How about this? The Louisiana native and Louisiana Tech, a lady texter alum who helped lead them to the national title. I think she won it, but I know she got to that title game when she was a player back in the 1980s. Kim Mulkey the national champion coach now of LSU women's basketball, and she won a championship also during her time at Baylor. She's going to have a 10-year contract worth $32 million. Not bad. This contract has to be approved by LSU's Board of Supervisors, but it is the richest total contract in women's college basketball history. Dawn Staley is going to get jealous about this one. Dawn Staley, of course, coaching the Gamecocks. And uh, that's a lot of dough coming in for the little firebrand and Kim Mulkey. Boy, she she proved it. I mean, she she left Baylor, a very good program, to go to her native state to be coach of the flagship university. And within, what, three years, she pulled off a national title. Her fourth championship she won as a head coach this year leading LSU. She won three for Baylor, and now with the one that she won at LSU. She's 61 years young. She's a grandmama. Her daughter used to be on the bench with her. I think her daughter's just raising a baby now and probably sitting back counting mama's money. And I I don't blame her for that. And then Kim Mulkey has a son who I think has been a professional baseball player if memory serves me correct. I don't know all of the goings on of the Mulkey household, but uh, well, what a payday there, there. And it's nice to see 
a proven coach, four national titles for this lady that is, uh, I mean, she's just a proven winner. And I'm trying to pull up her son's name because I know he's been involved in sports in his time, in addition to her daughter, because the daughter, as I said, was a Baylor basketball player. And um, her son's Kramer, yeah. Yeah, he's a pro baseball player and a collegiate All-American at LSU. So, yeah, they have a connection there. And I don't know where her son is playing now. Her daughter, Mackenzie, played both basketball and softball for Baylor. And uh, Kim Mulkey grew up in Tickfall, Louisiana. That's a new one on me. That is in Tangipo Parish. That's where Hammond is located. That is just down the road, Tickfall, from a little place called Kentwood, Louisiana. Y'all know who's from Kentwood? That'd be Britney Spears. That's where she'd be. That's where she hangs out there in that little spot, Kentwood, between Hammond and Macomb, Mississippi. Tickfall, getting some love on today's Y'all Show. You know what? We're going to give love to a lot of other great small southern towns. When we come back on Y'all, we're going to shake it up with a look at some of the great festivals going on this September 10th, 11th, 12th weekend. As you, if you, if you don't have anything set, if honey, if honey doesn't come to you today and say, hey, here's where we're going. If honey says, hey, what are we going to do this weekend? And, and if honey says, I'm going to sit here in the lazy boy and I'm not going to do a dang thing. If that's the answer you get, you need to tell honey. Well, that y'all show guy, he, uh, he says we need to get on the get on the up and go and go somewhere else. By the way, before I get out of here, I almost forgot this. I promised y'all some Tom Brady news while we're sitting here talking sports. According to my y'all show, Tom Brady correspondent, TR, Tom Brady has joined Delta Airlines as a strategic advisor in its first-of-a-kind multi-year partnership. I don't know what that means, but Tom Brady, like he needs more corporate connections, has teamed up with Delta Airlines. So does that mean that Tom's going to randomly start flying around the country and you could be sitting next to Tom Brady? And then when you get out of the Delta Airlines flight with Tom, you go down there to... Isn't he a spokesperson for Hertz? And he has the whole deal about, let's go! Isn't that Hertz in their electric cars? That he, one of those rental car companies. He's, he's, I mean, he's got the whole transportation thing down. Of course, he's a guy who knew how to move up and down a football field during his many years of playing. I got to see Tom in his home finale as a Buccaneer quarterback back in, I guess that was January 1st. It was New Year's Day that I happened to be with uh, Mr. Brady. I was about 500 rows up in the nosebleed section but yeah they got a win in his home finale of 2022 playing for the Buccaneers I'm not sure he's completely done with football something tells me we might not be done with Tom Brady but right now he's going to be flying around it looks like with Delta Airlines he might be next to you before you know it we're going to wrap this y'all show up when we come back we got to look at some great festivals going on across Dixie this weekend included in the fun Somewhere in Tennessee, you can celebrate cow peas. I said P-E-A-S, cow peas. I'll tell you all about it when we come back.
Way to wrap up this Thursday, y'all show. Somewhere over the rainbow. I found that because it's listed on the listing of famous ukulele songs. And why in the world am I pulling up ukulele songs? Because here, as we wrap up this Thursday, y'all show, we've got festivals going on this weekend across Dixie. And I want to tell you about them. Starting out in Arcadia, Oklahoma this weekend, it is the Ukulele Festival. Put on by the Oklahoma Route 66 Association. This goes down Sunday in Arcadia. Bring your favorite ukulele and celebrate all Sunday with the Ukulele Festival. Man, there's a festival for just about everything. Hey, just down Route 66, you might be in the area of Buffalo, Missouri. And this weekend in Southwest Missouri, it's the Southwest Missouri Celtic, or should I say Celtic, Heritage Festival and Highland Games. And that's at the Dallas County Fairgrounds in Buffalo, Missouri. That's going down Saturday. Get your favorite, uh, what a, uh, the, the Celtics, that's a Scottish thing, the, the whole kilt thing. I don't know what Celtic folks wear, probably green, but uh, that's more of an Irish thing, yeah. I guess Irish folks wear kilts too. I don't know. I do know that if you head over to Gaithersburg, Maryland this weekend, you can enjoy the Maryland Cider Festival at two-story chimney cider works on damascus road in gaithersburg not far from our nation's capital cider being celebrated for all you outsiders <laughs> this weekend in bedford kentucky it is the trimble county apple festival mm, some good september apples sound delish bedford kentucky sunday they'll celebrate the trimble county apple festival on us 42 there in Bedford, Kentucky. This weekend in Bay Lake, Florida. This sounds great. Y'all know what's located in Bay Lake, Florida? A place you probably have heard of. A place called Epcot. And Epcot this weekend has the International Food and Wine Festival there in Central Florida. So get you get your food and maybe a little buzz on. Although it's probably not a good idea to get drunk at Epcot. FYI. In Jasper, Arkansas, this weekend, mm, some good bluegrass music is going to be played. It's the Buffalo River Bluegrass Festival at Bradley Park. That's in Jasper, Arkansas, this weekend, y'all. We have, honestly, just about every weekend, somewhere in the south, there is a bluegrass festival going down. And this weekend, it's Jasper, Arkansas's opportunity. Now, I do not like to be stumped on towns. I try to keep y'all abreast of where things are and Jasper, I know where Jasper, Alabama is. I know where Jasper County, South Carolina is. By the way, do y'all know where the name Jasper comes from? Little history lesson? Do you? She does not. Jasper should be one of our most famous names in American history. It comes from Sergeant William Jasper. Yes, not a general, a sergeant. 
It was the first American victory in the American Revolution. It was there in the Charleston area at Fort Moultrie when the Patriot soldiers built a fort out of palmetto logs and they not only won, they just humiliated the British Navy back in 1775, I think was the year of this battle. And during the battle of which the Patriots beat the British Navy, the most powerful Navy in the world, by the way, during that battle, a British cannonball went off and knocked down the blue flag of the South Carolina Revolutionary War soldiers. And during when that happened, this guy named Sergeant William Jasper bravely went and put the flag back up. And that's why his name is celebrated in places around the country. Not all that often, but in some cases. And Jasper, Arkansas is one of those great places. And frankly, that is why that fort built out of palmetto logs is why South Carolina has the palmetto tree as its state symbol. The palmetto tree, the palmetto logs, actually sucked up the cannonballs. They're, they're, they had never built a fort out of palmetto logs anywhere in the world. They did it there because they had to. They didn't have anything else to build a fort out of. They had sand and they had palmetto trees on Sullivan's Island where this is located. And it, it proved to be successful. They kept the British Navy from coming and taking over Charleston at that time. And that's why really the palmetto tree and Sergeant William Jasper should be right up there with the Paul Revere's and all the other people like heck he ought to be more famous than George Washington I don't think George Washington ever dodged cannonballs to save a flag okay but William Jasper sure did and Jasper Arkansas this weekend is where you can go and enjoy the Buffalo River Bluegrass Festival so okay that helps me out Buffalo River is on the north end of Arkansas beautiful beautiful section of the natural state Jasper is probably about an hour due east of Fayetteville when you're making your weekend plans White River Buffalo River Arkansas is a truly natural state and this weekend you can get your natural state fun in with a little bluegrass music to boot going on this weekend in Griffin Georgia it's the Doc Holiday Festival in Griffin City Park Griffin is 45 minutes to an hour due south of Atlanta. Why in the world are they having a Doc Holiday Festival in Griffin? Well, that just happens to be the birth city of John Henry Holiday, better known as Doc Holiday, the gambler, gunfighter, and also a dentist. Yes, he grew up in Griffin and ended up being part of that gunfight at the OK Corral in Tombstone, Arizona, where he got the reputation of having killed more than a dozen men in various altercation. But researchers today have concluded that, contrary to popular myth-making, Doc Holliday only killed one person, maybe between one and three, researchers say, and immortalized in films and books and more. Doc Holliday, he actually got a degree in dentistry and set up practice in Griffin, Georgia, but came down with tuberculosis at age 21, and that disease killed his mother, and his sister so after that little bit of a life change he decided to move to the American Southwest to help out with his recovery of TB and that's how Doc Holliday went from dentist to OK Corral gunfighter he died in 1887 and this weekend in Griffin his hometown 
Doc Holiday is going to be celebrated with the Doc Holiday Festival at Griffin City Park. How about that? This weekend, if you are in Fayette, Alabama, in West Alabama, it's the 53rd Fayette Arts Festival at the Fayette Art Museum in Fayette, Alabama. That is about 30 minutes to the north of Tuscaloosa. So you can go watch Texas and Alabama play football and get your arts in too while you're in West Alabama this weekend. It's the Fayette Arts Festival, the 53rd Fayette Arts Festival, by the way. This weekend in Biloxi, Mississippi, it's the annual Biloxi Seafood Festival at the Town Green on Beach Boulevard, right down from the beautiful Biloxi Lighthouse. Check it out on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, a beautiful portion of the South and a section of Dixie known for its great shrimp and seafood. And all that will be celebrated this weekend with the Biloxi Seafood Festival. It's an annual event there in Harrison County. Speaking of great things to eat and enjoy, how about honey, honey? This weekend in Whiteville, North Carolina, at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences at Whiteville, it's the 7th annual North Carolina Honey Festival. And it's on Saturday. Come out and enjoy some great honey. Honey. Over in South Carolina this weekend in Bluffton, hopefully my future hometown, by the way, Bluffton SC, it is the Roots and Rivers Festival at the Bluffton Oyster Factory Park in Bluffton, right just across the bridge from Hilton Head Island is where Bluffton is located. Speaking of Bluffton, it is the hometown, oftentimes, when she's not on television during the week, you'll find her in Bluffton, and that's Dana Perino of Fox News. And oddly enough, do y'all know when she's back in Bluffton who Dana Perino of Fox News hangs out with? She hangs out with her dog. And what's Dana Perino's dog's name? Jasper. I kid you not. I kid you not. This weekend, we were just talking about Jasper. This weekend in West Virginia, it's the West Virginia Sunflower Festival. That's in Alderson at Sunset Farm. Nothing like a beautiful sunflower. In Paris, Texas, we oui, we oui, Paris. It's the Paris Balloon and Music Festival on Center Street. That's Friday and Saturday in that East Texas beautiful spot of Paris, Texas. In Alton, Virginia this weekend, it's the Blue Ridge Rock Festival at the Virginia International Speedway. And this is not a celebration of those things out in the woods or maybe in your yard rock and we're talking about rock music yeah and you can get your rock on big time at the virginia international speedway this weekend it's the blue ridge rock festival in that section of the commonwealth of virginia in charleston tennessee this weekend that is a great little spot near cleveland and east tennessee charleston was by the way the first city in the volunteer state to elect a black mayor and the first city in Tennessee to appoint a black police chief there in Bradley County in East Tennessee. Charleston, Tennessee incorporated back in 1956 and it actually was the filming location for the movie Wild River and it also, its city business district served as the fictional Garthville in that movie Wild River which was a Kazan film you saw that in 1960. Charleston, Tennessee. 
Now, this weekend in Charleston, it's the International Cow Pea Festival and Cook-Off. And it goes down Saturday and Sunday right in the heart of Charleston, Tennessee. Black-eyed peas, a.k.a. cow peas, are a cultivar. And they are known for their distinctive black spot. And the whole plant is used as forage for animals. But you know what? Cow peas, a.k.a. black-eyed peas, are dang good for humans to eat, too. And in Charleston, Tennessee, you can get your fill of cow peas this weekend with this great East Tennessee festival. And that is, uh, that's something worth checking out. And lastly, in New Iberia in Louisiana this weekend, it's the Lydia Cajun Food Fest at Weeks Park in New Iberia, Louisiana. A Cajun Food in Louisiana sounds heavenly and that's a great great breakdown of some of the festivals across the southeast that you can enjoy as the weekend arrives we will be back here on friday for our final show of the week until that time y'all.com is our homepage. check it out for all the southern news and notes until we see you friday have a great rest of your day